Hello, my name's James Pikeway. Welcome to Catching Up and the James Dyson Award podcast, episode number two. The James Dyson Awards take place in 27 countries around the world. The only country in the Middle East that has these awards, the United Arab Emirates. And in this episode, we are going to talk to the UAE winners this year. You might be wondering, what are the James Dyson Awards? You've heard of vacuum cleaners. You've heard of air purifiers. You've heard of the hair straighteners. The James Dyson Awards are an international design award that has been put together to encourage up-and-coming design engineers. To encourage up-and-coming design engineers to create, dream, and really go that step further to bring products to life that are going to have a meaningful impact on our lives. What makes these winners super incredible? Well, they're not engineers. They're multimedia design students from the American University of Sharjah. They are illustration enthusiasts, and now they're inventors. Miriam Mustafa, Nada Aldash have come up with this great idea called Touch, and it is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It is a wearable technology to help the sight impaired see colors and a whole bunch more. You know what? You want to meet these women. They are absolutely inspirational. They've got a whole bunch to share, and they're joining us right now, right here on episode two of the James Dyson Awards podcast in the UAE. Um, So my name is Mariam, and uh, I'm 23 years old, recent graduate from the American University of Sharjah, and Nada. (laughs) Nada. My name is uh, Nada. I'm also 23 and a graduate from AUS. Um, We both graduated with the degree of uh, multimedia design. We also minored in illustration and animation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... um, Basically, Touch started off as a as an assignment. We were tasked to come up with a smart surface device that would help people. So, Mariam and I were sitting and brainstorming for the purpose of like trying to come up with like what kind of smart sp- surface device could we help people with, mm-hmm. and most importantly, what kind of people do we want to help uh, in the first place. So, we were just talking and. We suddenly found ourselves talking about color and um, the conversation moved forward when we started to ask ourselves if we if we couldn't describe, if we couldn't see color, how would we describe it? I can't tell you that the sky is blue because what if you couldn't even see the sky either? So mm-hmm. that's when we asked ourselves, um, how did the visually impaired understand color? Like what is their perception of color? Um Did you you have any idea, as you were thinking about this, did you have any idea what the visually impaired might be thinking about as they're processing what color is? So actually, um, we we asked ourselves that, and um, our first step of research was to look online, and we found a YouTuber called Tommy Edison. Uh, He's a blind YouTuber who always talks about his experience as a blind person. And he mentioned that he has this understanding of color as a secondhand understanding from like literature and popular culture. He just knows that, oh, red should mean love or anger and blue is calm. But he doesn't have that personal um, relation to those colors. Um, And our second step of research was to actually go and meet um, people from the visually impaired uh, association in Sharjah 
And there we met with, I think, four or five individuals. And we asked them that question, like, what's your favorite color and why? And um, what what's your understanding of color? And there's actually this one uh, really interesting, this uh, woman who wasn't born blind was actually a painter before she became blind. And so she has a really deep understanding of color, like for someone who's now visually impaired. And it was really interesting to hear her thoughts on that. How long, how long did it take you to go from the research phase of thinking about this and talking to folks at, at, in, in different contexts to deciding, yeah, this is what we want to do. We now need to think of, a, of, of this device that can become a medium, can become a, a translator of sorts. Well, when we, when we came up with the concept, when we found what the problem was, we decided what kind of surface could we try to create in order to help them. Um, so when we went actually to the Emirates Association of the Visually Impaired, we gave them like a probe kit. We basically gave them um, things that we thought that they may use considering their um, situation. So we had first created a, um, an add-on to their cane which was not perceived well at all. <laughs> not even a little. It was a not even a little. No. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying this at all if you make this. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it came along with the ring. Like we had the ring and then the, the add-on to the cane would then control the ring and it would have the settings where they would control it. And then we realized we, we just needed to scrap that completely and just focus on the ring because one of the things that we actually did was we gave them clothes to see how they could like, um, how did they basically identify with it? How did they recognize it? They, so we noticed how in order for them to see, uh, to be able to like recognize anything or identify them, they need to touch it. They need to be able to feel it, the material, how long it is, um, if it's mm. stretchy or not. So that, that's sort of like, little light bulb it was like oh like the ring could have the sensor it, because exactly. they're already they're already like touching things they're already using their hands in order to explore what what the, what that item is in front of them so let me let's so, back up for just a second here because you started yeah. off with this idea you then connected up with some folks who are visually impaired and when and what you ultimately fast forwarding what you ultimately created was something called touch which is a ring that translates colors in a sense Tell, so when, at what point did you go from, hey, we need to create a surface to we're going to create a wearable surface in the form of a ring? Mm, I think it was uh, sort of um, as we were looking and really thinking about how we started out with the problem of wanting to communicate color. Um, I think it just became like a, like an obvious solution that it had to be something on their hands. Um, because that's that's their main source of interaction, and we just started thinking like, what what could they possibly have that wasn't going to be super intrusive or uh, uncomfortable, um, and that's how it started as being a ring, but also an add-on to the cane, um, and yeah, and it evolved from there really. 
so once you started playing with the idea that, hey, we're going to make this a standalone ring, not something that's affiliated with the cane that might actually give negative connotation to someone who is uh, sight impaired because it stigmatizes mm-hmm. them and, and puts up a big flag that, hey, I can't see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How did how did the whole project develop from there once you decided, hey, we're going with this <clears throat> ring and it has a purpose and you started exploring how different sighted things are are brought to the attention of those without sight? So for us, because we come from a design background, we, we started to really break it down in terms of uh, user interaction, user experience, and that was our first steps. Like how would they interact with the ring? Um, what would they need to do? What would be the feedback loop? Um, and once we managed to get all those um, criteria down, we then began to think about how we can apply that into the ring and what it would look like. Um, I remember we started, yeah, I think I remember we started with creating a persona, like what kind of person, yeah, what kind of person do we want to like make this ring for? And we wanted someone who like wanted to feel independent so that, um, they want it to feel stylish. It doesn't mean that they're visually impaired. It doesn't mean they don't want to look good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't want them to depend on someone else to choose their style for them. Exactly. So uh, we created, like, this persona who's, like, a fashionista kind of, like, girl who maybe wore the hijab and wanted to, like, match her hijab with the rest of her clothing because we all know that's such an issue. So... Um, the idea kind of like started from there and that's when we realized like maybe we should focus more on like the shopping aspect of uh, um, when when the visually impaired want to go shopping for clothes, they don't need a secondary person telling them what they need to wear. Exactly. Uh, what were the challenges taking the, because this was a school project, this was a, a project at University of Sharjah and in your mm-hmm. class. The, the criteria and the way that professors put together what they're going to work on in a class, was it a lot different than what was being asked for through the James Dyson Awards? I, I, I actually think it was nearly identical because um, what our class was really um, trying to help us learn was design thinking and design thinking is basically just this iterative process of trying again and again and again as well as documenting all of these trials and really learning from them and through the james dyson application there was a huge emphasis on showing your process visually and in written form um so it's it's very much aligned with what we learned did did i'd love to hear from both of you on all of the moments that that you had where you might have been sitting in a coffee shop and hey this is a great idea and you and you wrote it down in your book and then could when you look back at it would you say that you wish you'd written down more or that you were very very dedicated and 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 worked really hard to record everything so that you could trace those patterns and and have a record of what you did I think we have a pretty meticulous record of everything <laughs> that we did. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's pretty detailed. We, 
Like by the end of the assignment, we created a process book, wow. and we realized how much we went through. Like yeah. in order just to create the ring in itself, we went through like maybe ten, maybe ten plus trials to figure out like what kind of ring we wanted, how bulky it was, how thin it was, and should it be resizable? Because I found out that my finger apparently is very small compared to everyone <laughs> else around me. <laughs> so that was a factor as well. So, and not just that, but we also started creating process for our um, case that it comes, that the ring comes in, because we mm -hmm. wanted also for the case to be portable and we wanted it to look nice so that they can like, yeah, it's a charging mm -hmm. pod, but it's also something they can put in their bag uh, for whatever need, uh, need they be. Yeah. Um, so we have a very, like a very long, <laughs> long process. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What, what what's the reaction been? I mean, you've obviously you've got a prototype. What's the reaction been from the visually impaired who would be your potential customer? So they haven't seen the final prototype. We haven't gotten a chance to really try it out with them. But we did have a discussion during our interviews, our initial interviews, about how would you feel about a ring that would only work without the cane, and they were really happy about it and. They, they raised some concerns that we later addressed, like, um, will I know when it runs out of charge? And it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they raised that question because I feel someone who is sighted would probably not even worry about that. Mm. But uh, and they also really stressed that they wanted it to look good so that they can always wear it. They don't have to worry about it. So I think that's I when we focused on making touch uh, stylish and discreet like it. It has a function, but you can also wear it. No one will know that it's something exactly. that and something that they have to use in order to identify an item. Exactly. So I feel like th we we did address these concerns, and I think they would be happy with it. So you you entered so, in the James Dyson Awards. Where where does this take you now? You won. What 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 <laughs> has it sunk has it sunk in yet that you won the James Dyson Innovation Awards here in the United Arab Emirates? We started it off as a university project, really. And honestly, when we graduated, we kind of pushed it aside. We didn't really think much of it up until our professor um, sent us an email saying, I think that your project would do really well in this um, in this competition. So Mariam and I were like, Yanni, maybe we should like look into this. Why not? And then we realized like the potential that it had, the for the project to move forward and we just gave it a shot really and we just like went yeah. ahead with it without really <laughs> without really any expectations we were like like we're, we have nothing to lose really exactly <laughs> why not and, and um yeah continue and, i think um like especially after we won there was a, a good phase of just disbelief like we just we just we were just waiting for someone to tell us actually this was all a mistake sorry <laughs> and it's I think just the just now really it's starting to sink in and we're we're obviously incredibly grateful for for the opportunity and we feel very very privileged but we're also a lot more confident in ourselves and we feel reassured that you know what we our work is actually valued and we're motivated to take it forward now thanks to the James Dyson's recognition so, so here's here's a, a real a really good question, and and it's 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 sort of the, the I'm gonna I'm gonna frame it as in the fallout of 
being winners of the James Dyson Award. How do you think it's changing yourselves? I know you've alluded to it, but you've both embarked on careers that aren't necessarily as innovators, as, uh, you know, <laughs> as, as pioneers, as entrepreneurs, but this definitely, has, has, this, has this provoked you to start thinking, hey, not only do we want to finish this project and, and bring it to, you know, bring it to market, but is this getting you, is this giving you the bug to say, well, what else could we do? Is that in the plans? How is, how is this impacting on your lives so far? Honestly, we both have uh, like a very big passion for storytelling and animation and illustration. So that was always where our focus was. And now that there's this added, uh, um, I don't know what to call it, like an added ability now that we suddenly discovered. <laughs> um, We're inventors. People started yeah. calling us inventors. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's, I think... I think it's definitely like has widened our horizons and like our understanding of what we can do. So who knows, maybe, maybe we will come up with something else later. When you, when you think about this, this is, you know, very often a lot of the things and, and even at the event itself, we're talking engineering, we're talking innovation, we're talking creativity. Here we have two multimedia design students with a passion for illustration (laughs) who won an engineering award. What, what, do, what does that say to you? I think it's funny, actually, considering that my entire family are all engineers. Yeah, I'm the one who won the James Dyson Award. When <laughs> <laughs> my mother pointed this out, like, we're, we're three children, uh, her three children, two of them are engineers, but the, but the designer won the engineering award. <laughs> so I, I think, think, like, don't underestimate what we can do. <laughs> But I also, I really think that it goes to show that to be someone who is successful, you kind of have to be like sort of well, like rounded in a lot of different things, even that ones that aren't directly in your field. So for an engineer, they kind of need to know a bit of design. And for designers, we need to know a bit of engineering too. So, yeah. What what would your advice be to those engineering students, those design students who are coming behind you, who might be looking at James Dyson Awards in the next round? What what advice would you give to anyone who has an idea out there and might be a candidate to enter into the awards? What would you mm-hmm. say to them? Um, I would I would actually say um, spend a lot of time on the visuals because. It's one thing to tell someone about your idea. It's another thing to really show them and convince them. Um, like it's happened to us quite a lot that people approach us thinking that the ring is ready to go because the video was so convincing. Um, and I think that that's a really crucial point to really show them the potential and make them believe it for them to be willing to invest in it or support it in any way. Yeah, and document every single step <laughs> Absolutely. until the final. Like, we really underestimated how important this was. At the start, we really thought it was very tedious, and we, like, why do we need to go through all of this when we're going to end up with the final thing? But then we realized, like, the amount of, like, things that we were inspired by when we first started the project and the many, the ma- amount of many different directions that we, we were going to go in, but we decided to reroute so that we can fix, uh, like, to stick to one target. Like, the process is so crucial. I even remember us when we were taking our, like, the beauty shots of, like, the 
yeah. of the ring and the box and we were like so we were like wow this looks really good and then we realized there was a mistake here and we had to go like reprint and recut everything and then yeah. we take more beauty <laughs> shots and then I remember how happy we were with the beauty shots yeah we thought we were Apple like that's it yeah <laughs> exactly hey Apple started in a garage right so <laughs> that's saying a lot yes so you, have you got the bug now? Have you got the inventing bug? What you, you, as you said, there was a lot of different things you were thinking about as this whole process started. What, what, what do you, what might you set your eyes on next? Um, maybe we'll try to find a happy marriage between our storytelling passions and our newly found inventing bug. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> But it makes sense why people call us inventors now. I've been reading all the articles and inventors, Nada Aldash and Maria Mustafa. Whoa. All of a sudden, overnight, I became an inventor. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it seems very surreal because usually when you hear such things, you feel like it's in a movie or like it's, it's like, it doesn't yeah. feel feasible. It doesn't feel like that makes sense in my head yet. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, I, I think you're both really inspiring and it's, it's passion. It's following through with what you've been studying and applying it and dreaming a little bit. And you know what, not being, you know, you're, you're real, you're real. It's anything is possible. I, I, I and you two are living examples of that. And with a little help, it, it sort of opens the doors, you know, this award is going to make this, help you make this prototype a reality. And who knows where you go next? You're, you're inventors. You get to wear it with pride. <laughs> and it's just, it's very exciting. Very exciting to talk to you and very exciting to hear your story. Thank you so much for thank giving us so the opportunity much. to tell the story. Yeah. No, thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, we're really, like, we're very grateful, honestly, for what the James Dyson Award has given us. Is it like, it just gives us this reassurance that our work does mean something and that we do aim to help people. And it, it just gave us that push of confidence to say like, yeah, we, we actually have something here that we can move forward. Exactly. With. Power of youth, right? The power of youth. Don't underestimate youth. Don't <laughs> yeah. underestimate, and don't underestimate women either. You know, it's a, it's, exactly. it's a trifecta. Don't exactly. underestimate the arts. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you very much, ladies. Really, really a pleasure to speak with you. Thank, Thank you. you so much, James. Thank you. Thanks. You have been listening to the James Dyson Awards in the UAE podcast, episode two. We spoke to the winners. You want to find out more about the awards? www.jamesdysonaward.org. Easy way to get there. Type in dyson.com. You're going to find it. You're going to love it. What an incredible conversation with two spectacular women from the American University of Sharjah. They're graduates now. They're doing their thing. Miriam Mustafa, not Aldash. They invented the touch. I love it. You want to find out more about us? Easy. Take a look. www.podaholicswithak.com. The James Cast. You can find us. Hundreds of podcasts are out there. And of course... Thank you very much to archesaudio.com for the music. Talk to you again real soon. Enjoy. And hey, keep inventing.